All righty. If you want to go on and turn in your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Ecclesiastes tonight, uh, chapter 10 and verse 18. We're actually going to look at a, uh, a topic that is not really like to be preached on these days, uh, and surely a lot of people do not like to hear what I'm going to uh, talk about tonight, but we're going to look at it and kind of be able to maybe help understand why not all Christians normally do what we're called to do because we know as born-again Christians that we should be spreading the gospel to everyone we come in contact with. But there are a bunch of lazy Christians out there. So we're going to be kind of looking at a topic by the name of slothfulness and how to stay away from it. While you are turning into your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 18, I'm going to give you the definitions to a sloth and slothful. A sloth is a slow-moving animals. They are lazy. If you ever seen the movie Zootopia, you know what a sloth is. The sloth is the animal that is running the DMV that is barely moves its hand to type in the license plate number. Everybody know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about a sloth now. They are very slow-moving animals. They are lazy. They don't want to do a whole lot. Now let's look at the definition to slothful, inclined to idleness or inactivity. Mean you don't want to do a thing. You're being like a sloth. You just want to lay around in the sun, soaking up the sun rays. We don't need to be slothful Christian. The Bible talks many times about being slothfulness, and those are the things we're going to be looking at. So as you are finishing up finding your way to Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 18, I'm just going to share a little bit with you on what could be an ideal of a slothful kind of person. You know, we take very pride uh, in the things that we have. We are right now here at New Song Church are starting the process of building a new church. And, you know, we are wanting to make it as big, as beautiful as possibly can be. And we can put all kinds of money and all kinds of time out to build a beautiful church building with the most awesome carpets and all that kind of stuff. But it doesn't mean anything if we don't work to fill it. It doesn't mean anything if we don't keep upkeep. Like if a water line breaks, we got to fix it. We can't just let it run all over the floor and mess up that beautiful building. So it takes work in everything that we do. Also, we love our cars. We love having the best car out on the parking lot. So we take all this time, we take our money, and a lot of times we like to go into debt, and we're not going to get into that lesson tonight, but a lot of us like to have nice rides. But if we're too lazy to get up under there and get the oil change or take it to somebody to get the oil change, and we run the oil out of it, you're going to blow up the engine in that new car, and what good is it? It's just going to sit there. 
Well, that's the same way in our churches today. If the Christians don't get off of their lazy tails and get up and do some work, then our churches, it's no good. No matter how big, how beautiful the uh, building you make, it's not going to serve a purpose if we, don't, if we are not willing to spread the gospel. So we are going to look at our uh, main text in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 18. It says, Because of laziness, the building decays, and through idleness, the hands of the house leaks. Being lazy in our spiritual life, because our bodies are the temple of Christ, and if we are being lazy in our spiritual lives, then we are committing spiritual suicide. So we need to be active in day-to-day devotion with Christ. You know, a lot of times we get to the point where we want to say, you know, we had church all day on Sunday, We've, we've prayed on Monday, we read the word on Tuesday, so, and we've been in church on Wednesday. So Thursday, I, I'm not going to read the word. I'm not going to pray because I put all this time in already. That's getting to the lazy mindset. We can't make excuses, and we sure don't need to take time off when we're talking about our spiritual life. It's a work that we need to be firmly about each and every day. Let's look at the seven symptoms of a slothful man. Now, a lot of times as we are going through these seven lists, people don't really intend to be this way, but we look at things that kind of turns us into a lazy person. First off, a slothful kind of person does not believe that he is lazy. You go up to a person that don't want to work, don't want to get a job, and ask them if they're lazy, how many is going to say, yeah, I'm lazy? They're not going to admit to it. So that's one of the symptoms to know that, is your, that you are being slothful. Laziness is a byproduct of experience, cultural, or mindset. Now, our society has gotten very good at telling us, you don't need to work hard. Has anybody told you, oh, don't work hard? Either joking or playing around, they always tell you that. Don't work hard. Also, a lot of times, in, if you look around us in our society today, then they tell you, don't worry about getting a job. Welfare is going to cover you. And we have a lot of welfare, people on welfare. But if you look in the church, we got a lot of Christians on welfare because they don't think they need to get up and go and invite their friend. Somebody else is going to do it for them. That's why we hire a pastor so they can go out and bring the people in. I don't have to talk to my neighbors. I got a pastor to do that. No, it's our job. It's each and every one of our jobs to go out and reach the law. So we got to re think our mind setting and saying, okay, I don't care what the society says. We need to look at what are we going to do to reach out. They don't seek out to be lazy. A lot of times people don't start out to be lazy. A lot of people, when they get out of college, they go straight into the workforce and they're determined to make a good life for themselves. But a lot of times what happens is when we're out there in the work world, we get so 
into our jobs that we're watching everybody around us instead of really worrying about what we're doing. And so we start seeing people getting promoted that's not doing the job that we're doing. They're just playing around, but they're getting promoted, and the guys that actually work don't get anything. So we start getting into our mindset. Well, if I just sit around and do whatever, then eventually I'm going to get promoted too. Same way in the church world. I don't have to do anything. My pastor is going to do it all, and I'm going to get credit for it. That's not the mindset we need. Number two, out of the seven symptoms of a sloth man, he makes little, little soft choices in life. you got to understand, becoming lazy don't come all at one time. It's little choices. Just like I talked about in the very beginning. As we are studying God's Word and growing spiritually, as we should each and every day, we get to the point where, well, I was too busy today, so it's okay if I don't read the Word of God today. We make little changes in our life that will cause us to decay our, our life with Christ. The choices that we make each and every day, oh, it's okay to miss church one time because my friends want to go out to eat somewhere. When you miss church, it's very easy to come to the next service and say, well, you know, I don't miss too much. Another day is not going to hurt. The more you miss, the easier it gets to miss church. That's why I want to encourage you and everyone to be in church every time the doors is open. Be there at all possible because it's the time during the week that we can come together as like faith to encourage each other. Taking little small changes in life can hinder and decay our deals. Normal people make little surrenders daily, as we've been talking about. Little things. As we start to get into, especially with teenagers, we start the dating relationships. A lot of times we get going out on dates with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and, and oh, kissing ain't that bad. So we'll try a little bit of kissing. Then it moves forward. Little things, little things can decay our, our temples. So make sure we don't get to the point where we are sacrificing our walk with Christ. we got to stay on top of our spiritual growth each and every day. Number three, he does not value the importance of time or season. They, are, they will look at things say, well, you know, I really need to go in, out and invite my friends to church, but, you know, it can, it, it, it can wait to tomorrow. I don't have to do it today. I can wait to tomorrow. Or a lot of times we set Speed the Light goals at the first of the year. We're going to raise $3,500 for Speed the Light. Two, three months into our goal raising, we start slowing down because, oh, we got a whole year to come up with $3,500. It's easy. It won't be that hard. And then we start looking at the budget in November. Oh, oh, what's, what happened? $3,500, we could have done that, but 
we only got $2,000 in the bank. Where's the other $1,500 going to come by the end of the year? You don't put off what you can do today. If you can get it done today, go on and get it done. Because if you procrastinate, then you probably ain't going to get it done. Teenagers, be honest with yourselves. When you know you got a homework assignment that's due Monday, a week away, how many waits till Sunday night before to get it done? That's being slothful. That's being lazy, waiting to the last minute to get anything done. A lot of Christians are like that too. I know some pastors like that. Don't shut me down yet. But there's some pastors out there. Oh, I got to have a building fund uh, committee meeting. Oh, oh, uh, I'm just about late. But anyway, get off of that. So don't be putting off things that we can have done today for another day. Because then, nine times out of ten, it will never get done. Number four. He will never finish a task. How many times have we started something in life but never finished? You see a whole lot of this at the first of the year. I'm going on a diet. I'm going to lose 100 pounds by next year. Two weeks into it, forget that diet. It's for the birds. I'm going to be a lawyer. First year into law school. No, that's too hard. Forget that. A lot of times it's not really what we want to get done. It's a lot of times it's going to take our time. And we are people that things we need to have more fun than anything else in life. But the thing about it, if you're doing what God wants you to do, and talking to people about the cry, about God, then you can have more fun than what you ever think you can. So we don't need to get to the point where we don't finish our task. If we're going to say we're going to do something, we need to be people that's going to do it no matter what. If we're going to say we're going to see 50 people in a youth group by next year, we need to be doing everything we possibly can from this day to this day next year to do, get it done. Don't wait. Don't procrastinate. Don't put it off. And don't finish. We need to finish what we say we're going to finish. He also lives in a world that is wishful thinking. Now, I could really, I could really uh, pester here, but I think I'm going to try to stay on topic and not beat around the bush. But he thinks of things that he wants, but won't get up and do it. A good uh, scripture to kind of go along with this is Proverbs 21, 25 through 26. The desires of a lazy man kills, for his hands refuse to labor. He converts greedily all day long, but the righteous gives and does not spare. So a lot of times we'd be like, we want to have a huge youth group. We want to have a praise and worship team. We want to have fine arts in our youth group. 
man, it got quiet. But yet, when somebody comes to you and say, will you lead this up? Who, me? I don't want to be a leader. I can't lead nothing. If you want it, take it by the bull horns and get it done. If you want to see something happen, then you might as well take charge of it. Don't worry about what people are going to say. Don't worry about what kind of criticism you might get. If you want to see it done in the church, get it done. If you want to see a, a young adults group, get to work. Build a young adults group. If you want to see outreaches, take the, take the initiative. Get the outreaches going. I mean, if, if literally, if every person in our church would just find one area that they would love to see this church grow in and take the initiative and get it done, you, there's no telling what this church can do here in Centerton. But it's taking people to quit being lazy and have those wishful thinkings and actually get the stuff done. You know? I mean, it's, it's anything in life. Just think about where we are. We're, we're sitting right here in Bentonville, Arkansas, right outside of it. Walmart capital of the world. You know, if Sam Walton would have ran Walmart like some of us run the church, Walmart would have never got off the ground. But he had passion about what he wanted to do. He wanted to provide goods to people at a reasonable cost. And he worked hard. He loved his employees. And he showed them with respect. That's the way the church got to work. If we want to grow this church, if we want to grow our youth group, somebody has to step up and say, I don't care what the world says. I don't care what uh, people around here say. Well, there's no youth that's available. The youth of today is going to hell in the handbasket anyway, so why do you care? The reason why we should care is because God loved them that he sent his only son to die upon the cross. And so in the same manner, we must love them, and we should quit talking about things we want to see and get it done ourselves and then drag along some people while we're at it. Say, quit being lazy, you fool. Let's go to work. Number six, he brings painful damage to his employees. He's not only unproductive, but he's also causing damages to the company. Just think, think about this. You, have, you own your own business. You're making some kind of goods. You're selling it. You're making money. You hire an employee to come in, and all he's worried about is getting out on the lake. He's not paying attention to what he's doing. He's, he's just worried about the clock. When is it quitting time so I can go and get on the lake? He tears up every machine that re in your factory. That's going to cost you a lot of money. Are you going to keep him on the job? You're going to send him on packing, ain't you? Just think if the pastor could send everybody packing that don't do their job in the church. 
we'll have a lot of empty churches, wouldn't we? Just think if God killed everybody, that wouldn't work for him. We wouldn't have anybody on this earth. So a slothful person in the church can kill the move that God is wanting to do in our lives. If we allow ourselves to get so slothful, we can decay our life with Christ. That's why it's so important that each and every day we are staying prayed up, fired up for God. Number seven, symptom of a slothful person is he is a victim of self-induced fears. Okay, youth, this is where I'm really going to pick on you now. I can't speak in front of somebody because I'm afraid of what they're going to say. I can't be a youth pastor because I'm, I, 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 I've never been to Bible college. Well, guess what? You're looking at somebody that didn't go to Bible college either. And I'm in front of you today trying to preach my best. But the thing about it, it doesn't matter if you go to a, a million-dollar Christian college or you've been to our summer, or even if you're just studying the word for yourself, if God calls you, he's going to anoint you and he's going to let the words come out of your mouth to touch somebody. While you're in high school, you don't have to worry about having some kind of biblical degree. Just preach what you know. Jesus loves me. He has come into my life. He has changed me. You need God too. You hold yourself back. You are the only one that can put yourself in or out of the game by your fears. Proverbs 4 and verse 23, Keep your heart with diligence, for out of it springs the issue of of life. Prepare us at all times to look at what God sees out of us, not what we see out of ourselves. Now let's look at some ways to avoid being slothfulness in our own personal life. Letter A, be diligent to remember the truth God has shown us. You find this in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 9. Only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest forget the things your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life, and teach them to your children and your grandchildren. Take heed to the things of God. Allow God to pour into your life. Don't worry about what society's got to offer. Don't tell them all generation, you ain't got nothing. In some statistics that I gave out at Bella Vista last week, we researchers showed that only 4% of this generation is going to believe in Jesus Christ. That's what researchers say. We don't have to believe that. We can raise that number 
a whole lot if we just allow the Holy Spirit to get a part of our life and we start studying the Word of God and letting that influence our life and telling someone about the good news. We could see that number grow. We don't have to believe what society is going to tell us. You can be rich. Proverbs 10 and verse 4. He who has a slacked hand becomes poor. But he, he or but the hand of the diligent makes rich. So for us to be diligent in what God has given us and to reach out for what ha God has, we may not have all the money. You got to understand money doesn't make you rich. It's about what God is doing in your life. The people you are touching through the ministry that God has placed on your life. That's what makes you rich. Do you have a family that loves you? Do you have a family that would encourage you to live for God no matter what it is? You know, there are some families out there that if their child is not the, the doctor or the lawyer, then they don't have no use for them. But if you have a family that doesn't care what you do as long as you're doing what God's called you to do and encouraging you to do that, then you are rich. So we got to be diligent to remember the truth that God has shown us and just do what he says. Number two, be diligent to teach God's word to your children and your grandchildren. Deuteronomy 6 and 7 says, you shall teach them diligently diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you raise up. You want to know a true Christian? Do they talk about Christ? If somebody claims to be a Christian and never speak of God, never spoke a word about how Jesus has changed their life, then you have to wonder. But if you walk up to somebody and within the conversation they tell you about God, you know they're a Christian. Because, you know, in our society they tell us, oh, you can't say the word of Jesus anywhere. You can't say Jesus in school. You can't say Jesus out in, in, in public because you're going to offend somebody. If someone is truly dedicated to speak the name of Jesus in public, then you know they're not going to be slothful. They're not going to be lazy. There's somebody about God's business to win the lost. Let us see. Be diligent in the Lord's commandments. Deuteronomy 6, 7. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God, his testimonies and his statutes, which ha he has commanded you. We all know what the commandments are. We need to keep them in our heart. We need to live them. We don't need to hide them. If you're going to teach one way, 
If you're going to share the gospel one way, you better be willing to live it. If you're going to tell somebody they need to change their habits, you better watch out and make sure you're not doing anything wrong. That's one thing I love about the position God has put me in at New Beginnings is not only am I teaching the kids in my home, I get to live it in front of them. And they are welcome to keep me accountable. Which means if I step out of line or I start doing something that I preach about, then I'll welcome them to come up and say, you know, you have preached about this, but you're living this to hold me accountable. And that's the way we all need to live each and every day. If we're going to share what God is wanting to do, that we need to change our life. If we are telling somebody that they need to get up and quit being lazy and working, we need to be willing to do the same thing. If we tell somebody you need to read the Bible more, we need to be willing to read the Bible more. If we tell somebody you need to pray more, be willing to pray more. We got to live what we talk. A lot of parents love to use this line do as I say, not as I do. I've heard parents, a lot of parents say that line. My parents said it. And as soon as uh, my parents said, I was like, that don't make sense. I, w- I was a little smart at like when I was a kid. I just told my parents the way I thought. Now, teenagers, don't do that. That just causes trouble. But I admit that was me too. And, I, and even though my point was true, I was still in the wrong because I was not keeping the commandment, honor thy father and mother. And I will tell any parent today, Don't use those words. Don't say, do as I say, not as I do. Because God tells us to live by our walk. Live by example. So if you're going to tell somebody something is wrong, don't you be doing it on the side. I better hurry up. I'm kind of running out of time. Letter D, be diligent to guard your affection. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 23, take heed to yourself, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of anything which the Lord God has forgiven or forbidden you. We have to guard ourselves because a lot of times if we don't stay on guard, the enemy is going to sneak in. That's, that's basically the whole sermon for tonight in a nutshell. Be on guard. Be attentive to our day-to-day walk. As we are living for God, grow spiritually in him. Each and every day. And when you are taking a little bit of breather, getting a drink of water from your day-to-day activity, 
be on guard because you don't ever know when Satan's going to attack. So we don't need to take a break. We don't need to fall into the slothfulness of this life. We need to pay attention. Need to be ready at all times. And the only way we can do that is draw closer to God each and every day. Don't think, well, I am worn out today. It's okay if I forget to pray tonight before I go to bed. Because you don't know what Satan's going to do during the night to change your world. We don't know what Jamar holds. Even when we're on cloud nine, everything's going good for us. We don't know what's around the corner. So we got to be careful and not get lazy in our walk with Christ. Get into a good prayer habit. Get into a good... Study routine where you're opening this Bible each and every day. Don't take a weekend off. Prepare each and every day. Last one. Be diligent to make your calling and elect sure. Election sure. There has been a few of the teenagers in the youth group that has felt the calling on their life. And I want you to understand the reason why I really felt like this sermon was for tonight is to encourage you as you are moving forward not to get complacent. Get to the point where you think you've got enough of God in your life to be able to fulfill what God has put in there. Because it doesn't matter how much of God in you have in your life. If you decide to quit reading the Bible tomorrow and quit praying tomorrow, you're going to fall. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be the next day. But eventually, without the good word going in and the good praying going in, you're going to fall flat on your face. So we got to make sure if God has called us to a calling, and we all been called. Not everybody's going to stand behind a, put, a pulpit to preach the gospel. Some of us got to be out working at Walmart. Some of us got to be out working at a fast food restaurant. But we're all called to uh, carry the, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ to every single person. And so we have to guard that calling at all times. We cannot fall into the laziness in thinking, well, we got plenty of time. We don't need to fall into the lie of someone else would do it. Because our society has showed you someone else is not going to do it. Everybody that's living on welfare right now is about to drain the system. And by the time a lot of you gets to be age of, get, uh, to be the age of uh, retirement, there's no social security for you. The reason why I know that is there's no social security that's going to be there when I get there. And so, your retirement is going to be whatever you build up in this life. But more importantly, there's going to be a day when Jesus steps out. Split that eastern sky and call his church home. 
And every one of us is going to have to stand before Christ that day and give an account of why or why did we not win somebody to him. We're going to hear one of two words. Enter in, thy good and faithful servant, or depart from me, ye worker of iniquity, for I never knew you. And what's going to determine our fate is how we live our life, how we keep our personal spiritual growth alive. And if we are not careful in being diligent with what God has given us and not get into the word, then there's a good possibility we're going to hear, depart from me. I don't know about you. I don't I I do not want to hear that word. I'll be like James. Don't tell me that. You know. But on that day, you can't say, "Well, the pastor didn't go out and save them." Or the pastor didn't do this. He didn't come visit me in the hospital. On that day, you're not going to be able to blame it on anybody. It's going to fall on your shoulders. And you're going to have to answer to how you lived this life. Let us not be a lazy Christian. Dear and Father, I just come to you and I just pray that you would just take these words. Let it begin to find good soil in our life that it will lodge in and that it Throughout the rest of this week, throughout next week, it will begin to grow and fertilize in our life. And that we will begin to bear fruit, that we're going to be a generation that's not going to be lazy. We're going to be about your business. We're not going to wait for somebody else to do the job that you called us to. But we're going to take the initiative to live this life to the fullest. And that we're going to try to speak the gospel to every person we can. We're not going to be ashamed of this gospel. We, we don't care what anybody can do against us because we know that you have the power to overcome all things in this world. So we don't care what kind of laws that's going to come down in the next few years. As long as I have breath, as long as we have breath, let us be a generation that's going to preach your word. No matter what the consequence is, we're going to stand for you. We just thank you. Right here tonight, I just want you to begin to think about all the lost people that you know, family members, friends that you may know. Think of people you go to school with, the people that you work with. that are lost and dying and going to hell. You may be the only one that can save them. Now, I want you to understand, you personally cannot save them, but the one that lives in you can use you to save their life. And I want you to be willing to take 
that person to God in prayer. I want you to be able to stand before that person and say, you know, you may not like what I have to say, but I'm going to say it anyway and share the love of God with them. So I'm going to ask you all to do something a little bit a little bit different tonight than what we're used to. But it's something that we don't ever need to get away from. I'm going to ask every single one in this room to come around these altars and let's just begin to cry out for our friends, our families, and the people in our school, the people at our jobs. Because like I, t- I was saying earlier, if we don't do it, no one's going to. And we need to make sure that every person in this world has an opportunity to hear about God. And so we need to take the initiative to come up to these altars and pray for them. Carrie. That just proves if you put the word out there, you're going to have results because God is an all-powerful God. There's nothing too difficult for him. So, Brother Nathan, I just want you to put on some worship music, and I want us just to literally don't have to be any time. Don't, let's don't get into a rush. Yes, I know there's a lot of things that every one of us would like to go do after service. But let's truly just spend some time praying for our friends, our family, our co-workers, and just seeking God's will for our lives. Find a place.